What the hell's the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Ballsy, America's number three, four, five, somewhere in the top ten uh, podcast for sports. I think it's really top five. Uh, I am Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day DFW. I am joined by our lover of dead people, Kevin Sherrington. Hello, Kevin. You know, just because I appreciate history, Evan, does not mean that I necessarily love dead people. No, they're not necessarily connected, but in your case, they are. And Barry Horn. Thank you. It's always an upbeat start to be talking about Kevin's necrophilia so early in the morning. Wow. And also because this is the start of the big showdown, Rangers-Astros. and Silver Boot Week. By God, we're going to shove Rangers-Astros rivalry down your throat whether you want to or not. We're going to shove it down your Astro. We, wow. We are joined That's enough. by Astros beat writer from the Houston Chronicle, Jake Kaplan. Jake, thank you for joining us, and your patience is very much appreciated. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been fun already. Yeah, you can tell that it's it's a really professional operation obviously, that we're running here. Obviously, you're easy to please. So, so Jake, let's jump right into it about Speck Richardson and all the bad trades he made. Uh, let's just go one by one, and you rate your, your top one through ten. And there went the listeners. <laughs> Kevin, we live uh, in this Jake. 2016. Let's let's go. Let's move. Uh, we're talking about the rivalry here. There's a lot of people in this town who used to be Astros fans. All right. Well, let's talk about the rivalry for a second. Jake, you are you are new to the beat. You have been on the beat now. What three weeks? Yeah, that's uh, three weeks today. Yeah, three weeks today. So wow. How much of this Rangers Astros rivalry are you feeling in your blood as a as a as a son of Philadelphia? How much Rangers-Astros rivalry can you just feel boiling up down there in Houston right now? Well, I think uh, the players and, and, the, and, the, and the coaching staff were definitely looking forward to it as of yesterday. Um, you know, in, in interviews they would downplay it, but you could tell it was something they were definitely looking forward to. Um, but, no, this will be the first, uh, first I see of the rivalry firsthand. Obviously, I, I watched it from afar last year in, in Philadelphia, should be should be a fun one this year. It, f- coming from the outside, did you feel like there was that there was anything that connected the two Texas teams besides the fact that they were located in the same state? I, I think growing up in the Northeast, you know a little bit about rivalries and, and know a little bit about interdivisional rivalries. Uh, could you say that the Rangers and Astros had something going last year? Last year, yeah. I mean, I think whenever two teams are good, <laughs> it, it, it brews that kind of rivalry. I, I wouldn't say it was Eagles-Cowboys by any means, but um, yeah, I mean, when two teams are good and they're within that uh, proximity of each other and uh, fighting for the same division, uh, you could definitely, uh, it was definitely something people paid attention to last year. Um, but in, in past years, when the Astros were losing 111 games, it's probably not. Pretty much, if you just saw last year, Jake, you saw the entire history of the rivalry uh, because there was no rivalry before that. I don't know if you know the, about the history of the, the silver boot and, the, and uh, how much that was revered. It was packed away in the trunk of the, uh, of the Rangers PR man one year, and he got it out. It was, that's back when it was glass, actually, and it came out in, in several pieces uh, after they had actually won it. So that was, that was where it all started. Uh, that was the his- that's the actual history of the trophy is that – 
it was traveled back and forth between Houston and Dallas in the trunk of a car um, and did end up, yes, broken, shattered. And now we have a real silver boot. To a real it. boot to replace it. Yeah, yeah. So it hasn't, mean, it hasn't meant anything up to this time. I, I'm wondering, though, now if, if Astros fans are more concerned or less concerned about the rivalry and more concerned about what in the heck's the wrong with their, with their club. Yeah, that's probably uh, accurate. I, the way they've pitched so far, um, you know, I think there's there's a little cause for for some early concern. I wouldn't say, uh, you know, maybe some of the, the panicked fans are a little, you know, that, that might be a little premature. But um, yeah, in terms of their their pitching, they've already given up 20 home runs, um, second to only the the Rangers who have given up 22. Um, you know, their ERAs. Is is pretty is uh, the rotation ERA is close to five, which is one of the uh, worst in the, in the majors right now. Um, and their offense, you know, it seems like when they when they do pitch well, they don't hit. So um, yeah, I think they'll be okay in the long run. You know, over a 162 game season, but uh, they have gotten off to a slow start. Yeah, you know, and you look at, for me, the key to that Astros rotation right now is going to be the performance of McHugh because he's going to be he's going to be the number two to, to Keiko you would expect for most of this year. And it looks like, you know, through the first three turns through the rotation, he's he's been just all over the place. Um, what are yeah. you seeing from Colin at this point? Well, he was terrible in his first start uh, on the second day of the season at Yankee Stadium. He, he lasted only a third of an inning, gave up six runs, five earned. Uh, so that definitely skews uh, everything he's going to you know, be doing for the rest of the month in terms of DRA. Uh, he was great in his second start against the Royals, shut him down over seven innings. Uh, and then he was just okay, uh, probably a little subpar in his last start against the Tigers. Um, gave up a couple late, uh, a late home run that kind of ruined it for him. Um, but yeah, he's definitely been all over the place and he is a key to their, their rotation as is Lance McCullers. And, and when he gets back, um, you know, they, they really could use his, his power arm in there that they don't really have anyone else like him in their rotation. Um, in terms of, uh, guys who throw hard and he, he just kind of adds a new dimension when he's in there, but, um, he's still on the, on the, on the mend, uh, working his way back from shoulder soreness that he encountered midway through spring training and, um, you know, they're hopefully he can make his second rehab start coming up soon. But um, until then, they're 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 dealing with Mike Fires and 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 he's struggled so far. Six point four eight ERA through three starts, and he's already given up a major league worst six home runs. So, um, but yeah, you're you are right, and McHugh is is a big big factor uh, in the rotation. There. Jake, I'm sitting next to the world's biggest Doug Fister fan. Uh, <laughs> how, how's he started off? Kevin has a love affair with Doug. I, I said I thought it'd be good if they hit the Rangers hit sign. Okay, him. That's all okay. I said. That's how's, not exactly how, a love affair. How's how's Mr. Doug? Exaggeration. Has Doug Fister uh, d- done in his couple in his uh, couple of starts? Uh, he's made two starts and he's got a, an ERA in the seven five. It doesn't feel like he's pitched as bad as the ERA would would show you. Um, you know, in his last start, he pitched well for most of it, and then it kind of unraveled with like a five run inning against the Royals, as, as we all know the Royals can do. Um, but he's been okay, I would say. I mean, he's, he started the year as a number five starter. Uh, so as long as he can give them, you know, six innings and, and uh, keep the ball down, not give up too many home runs, uh, he'll, 
he'll be okay. Um, but he's even he even him noted you know noted sinker ball guy has given up a couple home runs already. So that's been a big thing for them so far is is a lot of traffic on the base paths and a lot of home runs. The, the the ground ball to fly ball ratio on Fister though has been decent. It's better than two to one, and that's that's where he's going to make his money. And if, if if he continues to get ground balls, and I expect the Astros' defense is going to be pretty good behind him, uh, that stuff should start to trend in his favor going forward. Uh, agree or disagree? No, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, you know, and, and he's he's looked fine so far. I, I I don't think there's too many questions there. Uh, I know he. He had a, a bad year last year, an injury riddle year with the Nationals, and ended up in the bullpen there. But he's two years removed from a great season there, so if he can be somewhere in the in between, I, I think they'll will be just fine for the one year, uh, seven million dollars they paid for him. So what what is your biggest at, at this point? What if you from where you sit? What is your biggest question mark about where the Astros? What the Astros need to get done to stop kind of a sluggish start here? Well, I think the pitching is the biggest thing. Um, you know, they need Lance McCullers to come back and pitch well. Um, they need McHugh to look more like he did in his second start than his first and third. Um, and and offensively, they need you know they need Carlos Gomez and Evan Gaddis to get going. But Gaddis just came back, so you give him a little bit of a pass, I guess. Um, just came back from the DL, but but Gomez has given them really nothing so far. Um, after struggling last year, he was hurt uh, toward the end and in the playoffs. But this year, he feels good. He's healthy. He's just he's just not hitting. And uh, so that that's you know that's they, they need production there um, out, out of that that spot. If he doesn't come back and hit, what do they do there? Does Marisnik play uh, center, or what what happens? You might see more Marisnik. Yesterday, he made his first start, um, and part part of that is because they haven't. You know, when they face Derek Holland on Tuesday, that'll be the first left-hander they face, uh, left-handed starter they face 13 straight right-handers. So, uh, Marisnik has not played much, but uh, you know, if Gomez, if they reach maybe the 100 uh, at bat plateau, um, and he's still not hitting, hitting, uh, I can see you could see more Marisnik. Uh, you could see maybe, maybe some, uh, you know, more Preston Tucker, not in center, but they could put Rasmus in center and Tucker in left. Um, I, I mean, I know they gave up a lot for Carlos Gomez last year, but you know, if he's if he's not producing, uh, you kind of have to separate what you gave up from him for him, uh, and and play the best guys. Yeah, that's an interesting point to me about both of these clubs. Uh, when you see what teams have given up, I mean, not that the Rangers gave up anything to get Ian Desmond, but he is uh, they gave him some money, and uh, and, yeah. and they're getting zero production out of him offensively. And now you have a, a situation where. I was in favor of just taking Nomar Mazara and put him in AAA, let him play there all year. And if you know if an injury came up, then something you know, okay, then bring him up for a shot, and then send him right back down to AAA. Well, he's come up and he's just looked terrific. Not only is he hitting, he has such a great approach at the plate. And so I'm getting to think now that if Chu, when when Chu comes back, which is going to be what Evan, uh, we're looking at another month at least, another month, which is a nice test for for Mazzara. Absolutely, so gives him about six weeks uh, to see how he does, and if he continues to hit like he's hitting now, I don't see any way you can send him down. Well, I think if you know the great thing about where the Rangers are um, with the outfield is that. Technically, Mazzara is replacing Chu right now. Right. But 
they have the ability, if Desmond doesn't hit, they can put Mazzara in left, play Chu in right, right. and the Shields in center. If Desmond starts to hit and Chu and, and the Shields continues to struggle, they could always consider the idea of putting Desmond in center field on a more regular basis. Of course, the Shields not really struggling now. He's hitting no, pretty well. No, the right Shields now. the Shields is is hitting well. Yeah, uh, but they've got some versatility with how they can arrange those outfielders, and that was one of the things they liked about where their minor league system was going into the year was that they would be able to take, if the situation arose, they'd be able to take a prospect and plug him in somewhere based on the prospect's performance, not necessarily on the specific position need at the big league level. They'd have enough versatility to move people around. So that, that's been a big plus in, in why the Rangers have, to this point, I think withstood two pretty significant injuries at catcher and in right field. So are, let, are, are, you, are, you, are you saying that they'll go with Desmond until Chu comes back? Uh, I believe so, yeah, unless unless by some chance Josh Hamilton is ready before Chu is ready and Josh can, can give them So you're really that down on Desmond already? I'm not – well, he's not coming off a great season. No, no, I, I, these are all cons- legitimate concerns. I just think that you're asking him to play an outfield position now and you need to give him a little grace period because of that. Absolutely. As, as Jake said, I mean, I think you're, right now we're talking about – you know, most most teams are twelve or thirteen games into the season. You know, you're looking at a hundred at bat kind of plateau. And in Desmond's case, and I think Jake can speak to this, having covered the National League for a while. You know, there are you're you're, you're bringing in a guy over who's been a career long National Leaguer, asking him to play the outfield. Okay, that's one adjustment. Now asking him to kind of get used to the American League style of game and the American League pitchers. That is that that's another adjustment. And I think you've got to give Desmond some some time to do that. Look at what happened with Evan Gaddis last year, and then I guess you're seeing this right now, Jake. At, at the start, since he's come back, he struggled, but he struggled terribly at the start of last year, and and came back and had a very right. productive season. Yeah, he led them in home runs and RBIs. Um, yeah, right now, right now he is struggling, striking out a lot um, after coming back, but it is early. Uh, I actually had a question about Mazzara. Uh, and the outfield situation for the Rangers. How do they? Are they going to? Is the the fact that do they lose a year of control uh, if he doesn't go back down? And how much does that play into? I don't. Uh, I, I think given the fact that the Rangers feel they are in their window of opportunity, they're not that worried about manipulating the the control situation right now. I think also if you look at what this team's history is with young players, if they prove themselves that they are are quote-unquote core players this team will make overtures to try and get some kind of long-term deal done that would extend them past free agency they've done that with any number of players they tried to do it to some extent with Rignet Odor this year this past winter and it didn't go anywhere but yeah if if Mazzara didn't go down he would get the full year of service time and so obviously that would put him one year closer to free agency Um, I don't think based on where this team is that manipulation of the service clock is 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 a top priority for them. Okay, I was just curious. Well, plus I, I think you look, Mazar's going to be the opening day left fielder next year. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question in my mind about that. Unless he's the opening day right, right fielder. Well, he might be the right fielder too. Yeah, absolutely. But he's going to be a starter next year. Yeah. And and you know, I would have felt like that you would not really want to go into next season without 
you know, just just guessing that. You know, this is not the kind of club, because of the window you're talking about, that can afford to say, they kind of did that with Ian Desmond a little bit, uh, but that was an emergency situation. It was an emergency and, situation. And, and, and so if they'd have had, had a month to look at Mazzara at that point in time, they might have gone, not gone out and, and signed Desmond. But Maybe, but, you know, it's it, well, the thing about Mazzara that's been, you know, impressive, is, as we all know, you look at spring numbers and you just, you just throw mm-hmm. that all out. You know, it doesn't really mean very much. You watch this kid come in and, and hit and his approach, uh, you know, we saw Joey Gallo last year and, and saw what he did. And obviously it's very impressive with the, the power potential there. But it is also a huge swing and miss uh, prospect as well. And there's just none of that with Mazzara. The guy just they're, puts the ball in play. They're, you know? different, they're different hitters entirely. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, it, I think a lot of the comparison that was made early on was because they both were top prospects. They mm-hmm. both are enormous human beings. Um, and, and then when they both came up, they both went three for four in their first game and both had a home run. And, and so for the casual fan, it's what's to say that no more Mazzara is any different than Joey Gallo? Well, Mazzara is a more advanced hitter, a more refined hitter than Joey was when he came up last year. He's got a better command of the strike zone. He's got more ability. You know, in that first game, he had two two-strike hits. Right. And that's more than Joey had all of last year. Well, Joey went well, plus, one for 64 with two strikes. Plus, he's hitting against Jared Weaver, his, his 83-mile-an-hour fastball, and no one else in the club is handling that and, and figuring that out. But here's something I want to talk about with Mazzara in relation to – and, Jake, I promise we're going to get you right back into this. No, way. before we get back into Mazzara, the Astros have their own rookie who is who is succeeding. And, and I want to know what, what the feel on, on who Tyler White is and – is this just Good kind question. of a flash in the pan? It's, he's been a great story for this, the team for the first couple of weeks and really in spring training. Um, it's, it's been fun to watch. I mean, he's cooled down over this homestand, I would say. I mean, he did homer um, the other day in their loss. But, um, yeah, I mean, here's a 33rd-round pick who signed out of Western Carolina University uh, for a $1,000 signing bonus. Uh, they sent him down to uh, – you know, rookie minicamp in Florida at their spring training facility and, and left them there for Gulf Coast League, whereas, you know, every other college player gets shipped out the short season or, um, or, or one of the other affiliates. So he's down there. There wasn't even a spot for him in, in any of the affiliates. He's down there with, you know, 16-year-olds and, and 17-year-olds uh, getting, getting reps in uh, right after signing for $1,000. And then, you know, just a few years later, he, he makes it to the major leagues before – that year's number one overall pick, Mark Appel, so uh, and and succeeds. So um, you know he, he's tied with Jose Altuve for the team lead in four home runs, and and kind of in in one similar way to Mazzara, he he has a lot of great at bats. He he doesn't you know a lot of a lot of hits with two strikes, um, and you know he's been he's been fine at first base, which was a potential worry coming in, but he, he's been pretty pretty efficient there. Um, but yeah, he's been probably the, the biggest you know, positive story for the Astros uh, in the early going, um, especially with all the hype for, for top prospect uh, A.J. Reed coming in. And Tyler White's just kind of stole the show in, at that position. All right, Jake, so uh, are you, you're you not making the trip up here for for your first taste of Texas and, and Houston baseball? I am not, not this week, no. But, but you will be there next month when the Rangers come down to Houston and uh, – you and I can get together. We can go to Kenny and Ziggy's Deli and, and have a nice pastrami sandwich. For sure. I'm looking forward to that. Was it something we said? Is that why you're not coming up here, Jake? Kevin, he, I, I would think he's probably a little bit concerned about you and dead people. 
And the Speck Richardson thing, should I have not said that? Yeah, oh probably God. not. You know, listen. Well, it's also, it's also flooding in, in Houston right now, so I'm not sure anyone's making it up there. But It's always flooding in Houston. Okay, Jake, first of all, uh, if, if that's going to keep you from getting around. Kevin's going to tell you some stories about him and the Galveston Seawall back in 1906 and all this 1900. other 1900. Oh, okay. Okay. Whatever. Try that, to get your history straight. Sorry okay? about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only the worst natural disaster in U.S. history. But you don't, don't, don't expect to know anything about that, okay? Don't expect to know any history, Evan. Hey, we, could, we could put that up on the website today. You know how many hits that'll get, the history of uh, the worst natural disaster in If I, in if I wrote history? it, they'd get a lot of hits. No, it wouldn't get any hits. Oh, People want to know about the future, not oh, what happened. What, not what happened. You know what? I, I was. 116 I would millennials ago. to be talking about. Oh, why do we need to know history? Why is that important? All right, thank you for making us seem old again, Jake. Before we <laughs> let you go, I have one one off kind of topic question. You grew up in Philadelphia. You covered the Phillies for a brief time last year. What are your impressions of of who Cole Hamels is and and kind of how he's evolved as a big league pitcher? Yeah, well, it's, it's it's been interesting to watch him from afar uh, since last July 31st. Um, you know, obviously not surprised he's he's pitched pitched well since joining the Rangers. Uh, I know he's been kind of bitten by the long ball and a few more walks than he'd probably like early in the season so far. But that actually happened last year too before it evened out. Um, you know, from afar, you know, it's it's interesting watching him. Uh, he had so there was so much pressure on him in Philly the last few years, especially. Um, you know, last year alone, the, the prominent storyline entering the Philly season was, you know, what are they going to get for him? Right. Uh, and 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 from start to start, it was, you know, is, is he getting? Is he how's he look? Is he healthy? You know, uh, you know, he he got. I remember he got shelled by the Giants uh, right before the All Star break, and everyone was freaking out in Philly. And then he comes out in his next start and throws a no hitter against the Cubs. So, um, you know. I, coming into the season, I kind of thought this might be a big year for him, and I still think that um, because, you know, there's a lot less pressure on him, I think, just from afar, that's my observation, than there was in Philly, uh, where he was he was the guy. Um, you know, in, in Texas, he's got, he's, he's one of two aces when uh, you Darvish is healthy, so, um, you know, and he, he's he's got a lot of experience all, all these years later. I mean, he, he was an all-star at 23, he was a uh, you know, a World Series MVP at 24. Um, in terms of his evolution, I remember he came back in '09 had a had a bad season or inconsistent season, uh, kind of a World Series hangover year. And I think he learned a lot from that year. And um, you know, I think he learned a lot from kind of taking a little bit of a backseat to Roy Halladay in, in 2010, 2011. Um, you know, future Hall of Famer and Halladay. Obviously, he learned a lot from him. So well, and he uh, has he, he has cited Halliday so many times. Also cited really? also cited the experience with Jamie Moyer and, and how much he learned from both of those guys. And, and I think one thing that that's really impressed me this year is, you know, here's a guy who was predominantly a four seam guy in the Ameri- in the in the in the National League and was able to get by with that uh, as, as his fastball. He has started throwing more and more two-seamers and has changed the pattern of, of how he attacks hitters. And I think that just speaks to how he's able to adapt and how he is able to continue to learn at the age of 32. Yeah, no, that, that's interesting that you say that. I hadn't, hadn't heard much about that, but that, that's, yeah, that, that sounds, sounds about right. And his changeup's always been his, his most dynamic uh, pitch. Um, and, 
you know, when he's mixing everything else up, is and and you know, he, I remember even last year his fastball velocity he was getting stronger as the season went on, and, and that made his changeup play up even more. So I remember in that Cubs game, uh, especially, I think that was probably the hardest he threw all year um, in the no hitter. So yeah, I mean, he, he's he's a dynamic pitcher, and now he's he's 32, he's a veteran. I, Gone through it, went through a lot in Philly, and you know I, I could see him in for a big season for sure. All right, Jake. Well, we look forward to getting together with you here in the not too distant future, and um, we will try and keep Kevin away just in case he starts to creep you I out. Appreciate that. I appreciate. I, yeah. I just want to. Oh my gosh! I can't believe you here. said that, Jake. I just want to jump in I'm here and really say, hurt. I've been to Kenny and Ziggy's, and I'll take Deli News any day of the week. Oh my uh, gosh! Whatever. There's a promo for Deli News. It's not even close. Oh, are you Get kidding? Oh. Hey, Jake. One quick question, away, Jake. Jake. Where are you living in Houston? Excuse me. Where are you living in Houston? Kevin, he's not going to answer where? that for you yeah. to show up I'm with your show dead up. people. I don't even know where I am. <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I moved here, and then the baseball season started. So wow. I haven't, I haven't, you, know, you haven't even been home? I live at Minute Maid Park, I guess. Yeah, listen, uh, uh, here's, here's what you should do. Stay away from Richard Justice. If, if Richard Justice shows up at the ballpark, stay away from him. Yeah, he was there. He's been there a couple times already. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he has. I'm sure he has. All right, well, uh, Jake, we will, as, as usual, we seem to have a problem with, like, letting guys go. I'll say we'll see you later, and then the other guys decide to extend <laughs> the conversation. So um, Barry says it's a Jewish thing. Is that right, Jake? Jake, don't answer that. that. <laughs> That's what you told me. You said you can't get out of the room. No, what you have to do is you have to start saying goodbyes right after you say hello. That's what, yeah, that's what you said. <laughs> Shortly yeah. after the kiddish, and then you right go into the, yeah. the goodbyes. Uh, Jake, we will talk to you soon. Take care. For... Appreciate it very much. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. All right. Thanks, Jake. All right, guys. Now we are joined on the hotline by Mark DeRosa, former Ranger great, uh, also now of MLB Network, and he is one of the co-hosts of the morning show, MLB Central, at 9 a.m. every morning on the MLB Network. Uh, Mark, welcome in to what we're affectionately calling Ballsy. It's a terrible name for a podcast, but thanks for joining <laughs> terrible? us. Terrible? Uh, you came up with it. Who came up with it? I came up with it. Kevin came up with it. I, it is a terrible name. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Don't, don't worry about talking over the guest, Kevin. What? I, I'm, I'm honored to be here. But I, I mean, former Ranger great's a little firm. I mean, I... Listen, I played okay there for a year. Listen, our 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 bar for the mid two thousands was not very high. Don't be putting me in the, in the, the annals of Rusty Greer and Darren Oliver and stuff. Well, the, the Darren Darren makes it purely on uh, longevity. I think yeah. longevity. Longevity is what that would be. What did I say? Longevity. Whatever. I think that's something that you have astronauts do. <laughs> longevity. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, we are we are breaking down the Rangers and Astros rivalry uh, as uh, as the Rangers and Astros get ready for their first meeting this season, and and maybe we're being a little bit presumptive here, Mark. But do you see the American League West shaping up as a two team race between the Rangers and Astros this year, or, or is it a bigger? Do you think the field is a little bit bigger? No, I don't think it's a little bit bigger. I mean, you'd love for Seattle. It was everyone's kind of sexy pick last year for them to advance to to the playoffs and potentially make a run. But I feel it's a two-horse race. I really do, especially when Darvish comes back. I think Houston's a very scary team, Evan. I, I think when you get guys that get a taste of October baseball at such a young age, 
and, and, and thrive on the biggest stage. I mean, some of those guys really, like Carlos Correa, just lit up. Dallas Keuchel was awesome. A lot of guys getting a taste young and hungry and talented. They, they're kind of a scary team for me. If they, can, if they can withstand the marathon, if they can get McCullers back and find a way to shore up the back end of that bullpen, Giles will get more comfortable. They're a scary team for me. Hey, when was the last time a, a player as young as Correa excited you as much as, as he does me? I mean, he, he is must-watch TV for me. Yeah, Evan, you're 100% right. There's two, there's two rookies that I played with that when they walked in the door, it was just different. You know, when, when we used to get called up, you be seen, not heard. Maybe you come off the bench late in a situation. You get shipped back as soon as someone comes off a 15-day DL from a, from a pulled oblique. I watched in 2010 Buster Posey walk in San Francisco's clubhouse and totally change, change the entire expectation, change the entire air of what we were about. Um, honesty with the pitchers and Bochi and Dave Rigetti, uh, watching this guy bat in the middle of our order, it was just completely awesome to see this young kid have it all figured out at, at that age. And then Bryce Harper at, at 19 years old came into the Dodger Stadium clubhouse when we were out on the West Coast. And uh, whether he, he said it or not, you could tell he knew or he at least believed he was the best player on our team the moment he walked in the clubhouse. And uh, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And he's showing why he, he was. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad thing if, if you produce. <laughs> But uh, have, have you ever been around a player who thought that and, and walked in the clubhouse and, and couldn't live up to it? Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know, the guy who didn't produce, who I really thought was going to at the time, and he now has has really blossomed, and, and Evan can attest to this, was Edison Volquez. Mm-hmm. Uh, being being around the Rangers in 0506, I mean, he was, the, he was baby, baby Pedro Martinez. And on a team that was running out the likes of Adam Eaton and Pedro Astacio and uh, the list goes on and on, you know, guys who pitched in the big leagues but, you know, couldn't necessarily carry a one one or two mantle in a rotation. We were kind of waiting for him and John Danks and those guys to come along and kind of bail, bail a team that I thought had a pretty darn good offense out. So that's a tough question. Guys, know you know the beauty of 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 the of the inner sanctum of that clubhouse is guys usually know where they stand on the totem pole. It takes a it takes a pretty powerful presence to walk in day one and 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 to feel like you can command the room. So to watch those two guys come in and uh, do it in different ways. Buster walked in and and was super quiet, um, just kind of went about his business, and you could just see from afar this guy was like a forty year old baseball knowledge wise and Bryce was the guy who walked in like you know he had the the uh, dyed mohawk hair and and all the uh, arm guards and you know everything that was needed but when he went out on the field he was the best player <laughs> so we, we're looking at a rookie here with the Rangers and, and Nomar Mazzara a guy who you know uh, fans are very excited about and uh, and, and of course when he went down to begin the season, 
Uh, Evan and I, I know both thought this was this is good for him. Go down, play AAA. If something happens and come up and you can come up for a short time and, and have to play, then that's fine. But he should spend most of the year at AAA. Now, after watching him for a couple of weeks, I, I'm beginning to change my mind. And what I'm thinking is, if Ian Desmond doesn't really start to come around in left field offensively, uh, when, when Shinsu Chu gets back, to play right field, and if Mazzara can keep this up, then maybe he should stay and play left field. What are your thoughts? I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, there's certain guys who walk in. I watch no more Mazzara. I've listened to Mikey Young talk about him because you talk about the position player prospects throughout baseball. I mean, Texas has got probably five or six of them from Profar to Gallo to Brinson. I mean, these guys jump off the page as guys who are going to be super successful. But Mikey sings this guy's praises. And uh, I really was able to lock in on him a series in Anaheim and, and, and just kind of follow him through Seattle. And he's just got a quiet quietness about him. And, uh, the, the stage isn't too big. Uh, he doesn't seem rattled. He's a massive dude in the box. I mean, I compared him the other day. His setup looks like Travis Hafner back in the Cleveland Indian days when he was hitting missiles everywhere, but his swing and the way he carries himself is kind of that Adrian Gonzalez uh, quiet confidence. Uh, doesn't seem like the game is that difficult for him to play. Uh, the, that first at bat for me uh, in the big leagues for Nomar in which he faced Jared Weaver and, and got behind one too. And then on a 2-2 pitch, you know, basically he kept his bat head through the zone, it, it seemed like, for, for about an hour to, to line that curveball into center field. That, to me, told me that this was a guy who had an, an, an idea of what he wanted to do with the plate and, and was aware of what the opponent was going to try and do with him. Uh, but on, on Desmond, you also have some background with Ian, and you also have yeah. some background with the situation he's going through in that – Here's a guy who was an infielder who's starting to make the transition to outfield and who was a career-long National Leaguer, you know, trying to learn the American League. What, what are the challenges he faces in, that, in, in, in his current role? You know, for me, Evan, I never put too much stock in going out to the outfield because I knew I was just moonlighting out there for someone being hurt. But Desi is, has taken to the to the task of of wanting to go out there. I mean, it's amazing to me to think that a guy who's only played predominantly shortstop in his career within five games of the regular season. I mean, he was playing center field for the yeah. Texas Rangers. That's that's crazy to me. But that's that's the athletic ability this guy has. I played for eight organizations. I was always having to make new friends. I was always having to – I mean, you just get tired of trying to impress people by about the fifth team. So you just say, hey, there's a reason I'm here. I'm just going to go about my business. I think that Desi definitely wants to come in and, from what he told me during spring training, he absolutely loved Jeff Bannister and the guys in the clubhouse. And, and thought this team had a chance to be special and, and just really, really relished the opportunity to be a part of that environment and that culture. And he was really excited about the season. And everybody, you know, some guys get off to a hot start and fade. Some get, a, get off to the super cold start. He's off to the super cold start. The thing for me is, is, is he's a guy that when learning of new position, it starts all kind of catching up with you. I want to be good defensively, but I, I, I'm, I, nothing's, 
what I'm saying is, is no, nothing second nature. You can't just go out to shortstop and just say, all right, I'm just, I, I've been here before and just let my natural instincts take over and I'll be in the right spots. You're constantly thinking from a defensive standpoint and you're not hitting. So now you come into the dugout and you're constantly thinking about when you're coming up, how they're going to pitch me, why do I keep swinging at the slider in the dirt all the time. And it just becomes just you stop playing the game and you start just analyzing every aspect of it. So he just needs – Desi needs a two for three, a two for four with a homer just to calm the soul down. It was kind of like Nolan Arenado the other day. He got off to that slow start, and he had that monster game. I think it was against the Giants where he had like seven RBIs and two homers, and next thing you know, his numbers spiked about 400 points in, in, in a matter of a, a three-hour window. So to, to be clear, you're saying that the his, uh, cha- his move from shortstop to the outfield has affected him at the plate, correct? I think... When you are constantly thinking through the game, I think it has to affect you at some point. I think spring training, hey, numbers don't matter. Let me go about my business. Let me concentrate and focus 100% of my ability on the defensive side of it because I'm not used to being out here. Offensively, I'll get my timing, and he was on. Everything was clicking. Then the season starts, and you start to put 40,000 people in the seats, wants to make sure he's constantly thinking on the defensive standpoint, where I need to be, what cutoff guys I need to hit, because it's not second nature out there. Right. And you get off to a slow start. I just think it compounds the, the negative, negative thoughts where, you know, that's, that's the thing. A- a- empty head, full bat, and vice versa. And I just think there's a lot of thinking going on. Kevin, you would have you hit 400 in the major leagues. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So if we're going to go around here a little bit on on the on the Rangers and uh, and uh, just looking at the lineup, who, who has surprised you uh, in the lineup so far, or has there been a surprise for you in the lineup so far? I mean, I think for me, the guy I'd like to see get going obviously is is, is Prince. You know, he's he's gotten off to a, to a little bit of a tough start. I always like when he's he's going. He kind of can carry. There's few guys in the league that can put it put an entire lineup on their back for for a while. He's certainly one of them that can do that. He can go on that, you know, seven homers in 12 games with 20 ribbies and, ju- and just carry it. Um, you know, looking through it, though, nothing Adrian Beltre does surprise me. The Mazzara guy has obviously been awesome for them. Uh, Dero, I'm going to interrupt you for one second here. Beltre, Chipper Jones, better third baseman. You're, you know what, Evan? You're you're catching me. I I grew up with Chipper Jones. I, I didn't have the luxury of a day to day seeing Adrian Beltre day to day. What Chipper Jones could do, the impact on the game from the right side and the left side. I'm, I don't. Chipper's a first ballot Hall of Famer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I would I would have to 100 percent lean Chipper Jones's way, but I'm. That, that, that certainly no knock on Adrian Beltre. Well, you're talking top five third baseman ever, either one of them, right? I, I think they're both in the conversation for top five. You know, you put, you probably put Brooks, you probably put Schmidt, you probably put uh, Brett, and then it comes down to guys like, you know, where is Eddie Matthews? Where does Chipper? Where does Wade Boggs fit? Where does Beltre fit? And I, I, I think that those are your your top seven, however you want to arrange them. Yeah, I remember having to do the like the pillars of the Braves organization, and and it did, immediately the guys that come to your head are what you said, Eddie Matthews and guys like that. But when you 
take a look at what Chipper's done in his career, Dale Murphy, he trumps those guys' numbers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, he he, he does. Um, and Delano DeShields Jr. has been a nice. That, that outfield's interesting because you're right. And I don't think Mazzara does go back. Chu comes back. Then there's Elvis Andrews. I know he's swinging a bat well, but is there a chance that maybe he starts getting a breather if Desi gets going offensively? So I think that Bannister's sits there on the table as a possibility. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, it's not been not been overtly mentioned that if Desi got going that he would play shortstop at some point, but I think that certainly sits there as a as a possibility if Elvis does start to struggle. Of course, I just would like to see Desi get going for Desi. Yeah. I, I mean, five for forty-six, hitting a buck oh nine, and no extra base hits, and yeah, it's it, it's been a rough start for him. There's there's no yeah. doubt about that. I have to say this: not, I had not seen him play a lot in the National League, and uh, but the, the swing is really boy. He really comes off the ball really hard when he swings. He's not really going with the pitch too much. He has on a couple of occasions this year gone to right field a little bit, but has that kind of been his history as a hitter? Is he is he a dead pull hitter, or, or what What? Uh, what did Absolutely you say? Absolutely not. I mean, he's just got as much power to right center as as any right-handed hitter outside of, like, Mark Trumbo, maybe, and guys that just look to drive the ball that way. No, this is a guy in Washington Park that was probably the best athlete on the field at any moment. It just it was a matter of raw tools turning into ball player, and when I saw him, he was at his best. I mean, a guy, and honestly, I thought the move off of shortstop, and I still think it will. I think it will free him up because I, I truly believe the 30 errors a year or the 27 errors a year, and and having people say, "Oh, he's a liability defensively. His UZR ratings this is this is it." I've that. Don't think the guys don't hear every last stitch of information on them, and that starts to wear on you. So I thought the move to the outfield might free him up to just be an athlete out there and and concentrate on the offensive side, which I still think. I always used to say to myself, I don't I don't know how give me till two hundred at bats before I really truly could tell you, ooh, it's gonna be a tough year or A, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna come out of this. Well do you able- get that luxury. Before yeah, I, I and I think he will. I mean, ultimately, I th- there may be a, a few more off days here and there, but I think that the Rangers have the versatility to kind of move guys around and 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 create some matchups. There are going to be some right-handers that they don't want the Shields to face because his numbers against right-handers last year weren't very good, particularly in the second half. And 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 with Mazar, I think there's going to be some days when you want to give him a day off too because you yeah you know it, it is a big. It's it is a big adjustment, no matter how beyond your years you are to to go basically from a month worth of AAA games last year to to the big leagues, and so I I think that the Rangers. One thing that I think about this team is that there is a lot more depth all around the roster than there has been for for a long time, and and they've got the ability to make to make moves as they need to in order to shore up whatever whatever situation they've got developing. Um, before we let you go, you've said that Houston is a scary team, and, and, and I buy that based on the youth. You, you know, there's also something to be said for the Rangers and the amount of experience that they have around the, the lineup with guys like Prince and, and Adrian, all of those guys who are looking for that, that World Series title that they haven't gotten. 
if this is a two-team race, do you lean one way or the other? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I lean towards Houston. I, I do. I lean towards Houston because I think, and, and here, here when they asked us to do the predictions, I love their lineup. I think they, they, they flow great together. I think Colby Rasmus has become a great player because he's freed up to be himself in that clubhouse. I think the guys really respond to him and leave him alone, something he's been searching for. Not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. I just think he's found a nice niche for himself. I think they still have a prospect base and some young talent, too. I, I think they make a huge move at the deadline. I don't know who that is. If if the White Sox are out of it, do they do they throw a bunch at the White Sox for sale or Sonny Gray or or something? Hey hey hey! You leave Sonny Gray out of this because he's coming to Texas, Pally. Well, well, Houston is in Texas, Texas Pally. I'm just saying. I think I think. Well, he might be coming to Texas, but I, I you really want to jeopardize that stockpile of talent you got? Uh, if you let me ask you this: if you if you run Hamels, Darvish. Sonny Gray out there is your front awesome. three. <laughs> <laughs> how do you awesome. like your How do you like your prospects in August and September? <laughs> well, now that I got Beltre back, I don't know where Joey Gallo's going. That's interesting, and that is a question that's going to be that, that's going to be discussed. Yeah, he's think, a first baseman anyway. I, I think there is some thought that he will at some point this time move to first base and, and potentially replace Moreland next year. Yeah, they but, still got to get a catcher. Yeah, I think that's Texas is still got to make a play for a catcher. I think that's an area of concern, and and it's really showed up here early with the injury to Trinos, and and, and I, I do think it is going to be a long term concern. But given given the options, I'd still rather go out and get yet another top of the rotation pitcher than an everyday yeah. starter at catcher. Because I think Evan, for me, I'm so excited. You Darvish is coming back. But you can't just expect you Darvish to be you Darvish Correct. right out of the gate. I mean, that's unfair to assume that his first start back, even though it's going to be must-see TV, that he's just going to revert after missing 16 to 18 months, he's just going to revert back to being unhittable. I think that's unfair on him. I think it's going to take him a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't think you can rely. I like what you're saying. I don't think you can rely on just Hamels and Darvish getting in. I know Derek Holland threw the ball well last time out, but he's kind of Jekyll and Hyde for the last year or two, or his whole career, pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. he is, but he is funny. He he is funny. Um, <laughs> that the uh, uh, you know, and I think that it does bear repeating for for listeners here that people should, probably should not expect Darvish to come out and fire you know a perfect game. But like they will. But they will expect it against Houston. But I do think that you've got that, you've got that acclimation period of mid-May through the All-Star break. This guy should be in position to be a, I'm not going to say an elite pitcher, but an, an upper-tier pitcher, you know, come August and September again. I think we'll have made the adjustments. That's all that matters. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, I don't care if you, Darvish, comes back and goes 8-10. and 10. If he's healthy and they find a way into the wild card or win the West, that's all I care about. Because if he's healthy and the bright lights, the big stage comes on, you know he'll be on top of his game. It's just a matter of them, you know, surviving the marathon. Well, I, I'm just going to say this, d and, and and I mean this with 
every ounce of sincerity from the bottom of my heart. You've been a much better guest than Michael Young ever was. Wow. Oh. Wow. I always, told, I always told Mikey Young when I played with him, Mikey, you bat three in baseball, I bat three in life. <laughs> wow. That was good. I like that. I, I think we may have to work on getting you and him on at the same time and have a little oh, debate man, over that's this. my boy. Not a better they'll, guy They'll the put together a, a great podcast. We, you don't put them together, Evan. That's right. We'll be out of a we'll be out of a job. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, Dero, thank you so much. And I want to remind everybody that listen, you know, it, you are a great analyst, and you do bring it with with a sense of honesty and a sense of humor. And people can watch you every morning on on MLB Central at nine a.m. Central Time. It, it it's a good way to get into your baseball day every day. Thanks again, Dero. Appreciate it. Thank you, Evan. Thanks, Mark. All right, we're going to call Eric Shanks up and have him uh, invite you over to be in that Fox A booth. He didn't hear that. Fortunately. No, no, no but, it's true. I, I thought he was terrific. I was great. There he, goes the goodbye music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Goodbye. Uh, I got this time no, to wait go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought he, 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 he might have been perhaps the best ballsy guest we've had. He. Oh, no. Who's better? Switzer. Oh, Switzer. Switzer's great. We've had some great guests on. He was the best baseballsy. ballsy. He was the best baseballsy. Well, let me tell you something. Probably. He, when he was here and I could sit in the clubhouse and talk baseball with him and Michael Young, I think I learned more about the game and more about the player's perspective of the game than at any point in time in my career. They do have a great viewpoint on the game, what it takes to play the game. They're, they're, they're both funny guys. They're both honest guys. And... Um, I, I think he, he brings up a lot of good points, and I do think that this may come down to the big question in the American League West is you've got the Astros' youth, and physically they may be a little bit more suited for the long haul than some of the Rangers' 30-year-olds. But if the Rangers go out and strike first and get a big-time pitcher to add to that rotation, uh, I don't see how, you can, how you're going to have uh, anything that tops a, a Darvish, Hamels, whether it's Sale or Gray or Fernandez or whoever. Well, but here's, here's the thing guys. that people, you know, because I looked at these numbers um, at some point. I you, can't remember. You did your homework? Like, I did my homework. Is that obviously the, the, the Astros lineup, everyday lineup, is is five years, I believe, younger than the, than the Rangers. That's unbelievable that they're right. five years younger and they're very accomplished already. But the difference is is that the, the, the rotations are basically about the same age. And that's what uh, that people don't understand is that – that's that's obviously the heart of the club is your rotation, and if you, it, you know, when, once you get past Keuchel, now he's he's tremendous. There's no question about that. I, I might take Keuchel over anybody. I might take him over Darvish or or Hamels, but but after that, there's a there's a drop. And, there is, and and so and, and I, as Jake as Jake Kaplan mentioned, you know, they're counting on Lance McCullers to come back and and be a big influence on their rotation, much the way the, the Rangers are counting on Darvish. But if you count those two accomplishments. I mean, you've got to feel like Darvish still has has the higher ceiling right now than yes, and and I think once once the Rangers bullpen stops uh, throwing gas on fires, I, I think that the bullpen is going to be better too. Uh, and, and you know, I, I was you gonna, hope the bullpen is well. You know that Tom Wilhelmson thing that had to be he had to be tipping pitches. I know I, he's he's talked about that now. There has to be a reason why he's given up home runs left and right. Well, I will say this: he. Because its velocity is about the same, right? In the Seattle start, in the Seattle outing, when he was torched by Seattle, they attacked a bunch of first pitch fastballs. Right, and uh, that you know, to to quote a, a sexy term right now, that that might be sequencing, and they've got a lot of familiarity with them. Uh, the second time around, 
yeah, then you do get to the idea, you know, is he tipping pitches some way? And, 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 but I also thought that a couple of the locations that I saw on, on Baltimore pitches, and obviously I wasn't paying that close attention, I wasn't working that night, I watched a couple of replays, and the locations didn't look great either. Uh, it's going to take a while for him to work out of that. I mean, the numbers are, are hideous at this point in time. Can't let himself get caught up in the numbers. You're not going to take a, a 35 ERA and bring it down to, to three you know, overnight. Right. Uh, and the Rangers are going to have to find more low-leverage situations to put him in. They've already sent Andrew Faulkner out. He was a disappointment, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, big time. Uh, uh, coming into the season after a great, great spring training. But that is what you run into is just like Dero said, you know, when you do start the season, you know, everything starts all over again. And that third deck and the lights and the pressure of regular season games, it changes it changes performance and perspective. Uh, I think the rest of the bullpen has started to kind of, of, of gel itself together again. And, and, and well, let me ask you something about uh, before, before we get out of here, because this is such good stuff. I like it. Is, is that uh, – uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not kind of blank on him now. Dyson, uh, you know, it, it seems like he's he's gone away when he when they got him here. I, I I asked Jeff Bannister why is he having so much success now over what he was having in Florida, and he said, well, sometimes you know you get away from what you do best, and and obviously what he does best is the sinker ball, is the power sinker, you know, right. And now this year, you know, he's throwing more sliders. He's doing this. He's doing that. I think he's throwing more changes this year. Yeah. And, and what's up with all that? Well, I, and 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 here's the thing. I think that I I think that to some extent, you know, you try and stay ahead of the curve just a little bit. A little bit. And although Mariano Rivera did pretty well with that, with one pitch. cut fastball, he was he was throwing the changeup when he got here. Threw that changeup and and gave up a home run in his first outing here and really kind of pocketed it. I think is with the start of this year he doesn't want to, you know, just go into the season with one pitch. And and the bottom line is if he does put a guy on base, we've seen it time after time after time. If he needs a ground ball, right. he's getting it. Yeah. Evan, tell everybody what else we have today on the podcast and how they can subscribe. Okay. Well, what else we have on the podcast today is we're going to have David Moore uh talking about the Cowboys. Um in just a few moments, and then we will have Bob Sturm talking about the Stars and the Mavericks, since both teams are in the, uh, the what we like to call the postseason. Are the Mavericks in the playoffs? Uh, for what? For now, in name at least. Yeah, for now. In name. And how uh, could people subscribe and, and get the podcast? What am I, your child? Yes, you are. <laughs> Evan, I have a list of things I was told we need to get into the podcast. I think I, you, before we get out of this podcast, I want an apology from you about no. the name of this podcast. That is a great name for this podcast. You love the name of this podcast, and you told one of our guests that it was an awful name. I, I believe I, I believe that was Evan and, and, who said uh, that. But you, but you did say I it. Backed, I backed him up you on it. You backed him up, but, but I could not but believe this, it. Let me it's, tell you it's time for this baseballsy podcast to, to end. To be so over. we get on. All right, and you can... Subscribe if you aren't already subscribing, and and really most of America is. Yeah. But if you aren't already subscribed, you can find us on the iTunes Store under Ballsy Podcast, and that is Ballsy B A L L Z Z Y, no S Z, because <laughs> when like you spell L's. something with a Z, it's more hip. It's much more hip, much edgy. Yeah. That's why Lord you're knows. now Kevin Jarrington. Yeah, that's right. I dropped um, the S. Kind of like Dr. Zhivago. Hey, it worked yeah. for Mao Zedong when, when he, he, he put the Z in his name. Too. Right, all right. Dr. Zhivago, Mao Zedong, we have really... <laughs> Mao Zedong. All right, anyway, guys, we will uh, be back in just a little bit with uh, Cowboys Talk.
Hit that music. 